What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show. Today is April 16th, Saturday, and you are listening to episode 15. And uh, for the first time in a couple of weeks, I will be flying solo on this one. I know the last two weeks that I had a guest. Um, uh, I want to thank again Bill Burr. Uh, for being on the show when I was out in L.A. And also last week, Sean Quinn. Um, also, thank you guys for uh, your kind words and compliments on those shows. Uh, you guys really seem to like, um, I guess, the perspective from, uh, you know, comedians talking about everything that we go through and also, you know, the sports talk and all the, the shit that we do uh, other than stage. You guys really seem to like that uh that uh, ranting that uh, I did with uh, Bill and Sean and the Verzi Effect podcast show will continue to have, um, you know, special guests like that um, as we go along here. But uh, on episode 15, it is just me. I will be uh, doing this one uh, solo like the good old days and uh, got a lot to talk about on the show. Um, So um, one thing that I definitely want to start out uh, by uh, doing is again thanking everybody um, not only uh, who came out to the shows at the Lake Ontario Playhouse in Sackets Harbor, New York uh, when I was there last weekend with Sean Quinn but also the lines of people who bought the t-shirts um, I know I told you guys that that Friday night show there was a line for t-shirts same thing on Saturday um, and if you don't know um, I'm not going to be selling the t-shirt much longer but I do a joke that basically the punchline of the joke is shut up and touch my dick. Now, I know that sounds kind of crude and, 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 you know, a little in your face. The joke is really uh, much more innocent than, than that saying sounds. If you could believe that, it really is. Um, it's more innocent of a thing. And I had no intention of making a t-shirt that said shut up and touch my dick. But... I joked about it on stage, and I joked with the crowd saying, man, I'm going to make a t-shirt that says shut up and touch my dick. And sure enough, people were all over me about it. Even though I was joking, people were ordering them. People wanted me to make them. They were demanding me, oh, make them. I'm going to, I'm going to buy the shirt from you. And I, I basically got to the point where I was like, if this many people want me to make the damn shirt, I'm going to make the damn shirt with the saying on the front of it, and I'll put paulverzi.com on it. The joke is even somewhere on YouTube where you can see how the joke came about. But anyway, thank you all for lining up and buying that shirt. Um, Tonight, I will be in Saratoga, New York um, at the Saratoga Comedy Club. I'm sorry, it's the Saratoga Comedy Club in Queensbury, New York, which is, I guess, the next town by Saratoga. But up there in that Albany, Saratoga area, which I don't really perform in much... So I'm looking forward to that. As a matter of fact, right after this podcast episode, I will be going in the car to that show. Um, but thank you uh, for for buying those shirts last week, and hopefully you guys buy them tonight over at the Saratoga Comedy Club. Um, I had a great time with Sean Quinn uh, there, and we were laughing at all these people buying the shirts. And I even told the crowd, I said, hey, you know, some people put their kids through school with uh, being doctors and lawyers, but not me. I'm going to make a t-shirt with a crude saying on it. As a matter of fact, this is actually the last batch of t-shirts that I'm making. And then after that, I am going to be having a t-shirt that has the Verzi Effect podcast logo on it. And I will also have a shirt without the logo that just says uh, TVE 
the Verzi Effect podcast show with the website and everything. And um, the problem with iTunes, just so you guys know, is there was a problem uploading it into my Mac. So that's why there is now a problem downloading it. So um, I'm hiring somebody uh, to, to take care of that. But in the meantime, people are telling me that they could still get the show, you know, on the phones. You could still get the phone. Uh, you could still put the, sh- the show on your phone or listen to it in your car because you can get it off my website, which has an archive with all of the episodes, uh, one through now, 15. And also, I always post them on, on Facebook. So uh, please do that. Tell your friends about it. Uh, we will be growing this uh, show. And... Um, that's pretty much it. This week, uh, I want to talk about um, hurting myself, people. I hurt myself really bad, and uh, I'm actually healing unbelievably, but um, I play basketball. I play in a men's basketball league on Tuesday nights, and, um, you know, it's official league. You know, we got a ref, we got a scorer's table, you could foul out, you get technical fouls. They do it like college, you get two 20-minute halves. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm basically the starting point guard of my team. I've always played, you know, basketball, even as I'm getting older, uh, pickup games. Since I was little, I've always had an outside shot. But I'm, I'm 5'8", so I better have an outside shot. Um, but no, no, don't get me wrong. I'm taking this shit to the rack now, too. You know, I'm starting to... It's funny, because the more I play basketball now, just the smarter I am. And I realize how stupid I was when I was a kid where all I would want to do is score and shoot, but now I'm having a great time distributing the ball and, um, you know, just creating things and making things happen. And I'm really loving this, not to mention the fact that I lost 11 pounds doing it and um, I'm insanely competitive with it. And uh, it's nice because when you work out on a treadmill, it sucks. You're looking at the time, you know you have 13 minutes or whatever left, and you're, it's bullshit, you know. it's It's like this... You're looking at a TV. You almost want it to be over. It's almost a chore. When you are competing against another individual and it's your will versus their will and, you know, how good you're playing compared to how good they're playing, you're burning calories. You're running around like a madman and you don't realize that you're working out and your body is getting in such better shape. And that's what I love about doing it. I would much rather compete to lose weight in my exercise than to just go to a gym and say I'm going to go do it because that, that feels forced. So um, it started out with playing in an open gym on Mondays. They turned it into a league on Tuesdays. And uh, we were playing in the second game ever. We won the first game. We are playing in the second game ever. Um, and right before halftime, me and uh, the guy that was taking me on defense, the guy that I was taking on defense, actually, uh, I'm sorry, no, the guy that uh, I was playing, on defense and I were fighting for a rebound and my foot caught the back of his heel and just literally rolled and I just stepped on my foot like my foot was completely off to the left and I came down and all that pressure on the side of the foot I instantly collapsed and uh, I gotta be honest it was pain that I have not felt in a long time um, I was just on the ground, punching the ground in agony. Um, I had to kind of walk it off. And the thing was, we didn't have a sub, and we were already short a man. So I needed to finish the game. So what I did was I tied my shoe really tight, put some ice on it at halftime, tied my shoes really tight, walked it off. Since it was still warm and I was loose, I was able to kind of, you know, walk and play. And the good news about this whole thing is we won in overtime. We won in overtime 63 
to 62. I had 11 points, um, not quite 10 assists, but close, and a bunch of rebounds. So I had an all-around good game, um, and I stayed in there in, in, in a lot of pain. And then that night and the next day, my, uh, my ankle blew up, got purple. Even down by my foot was purple, like it was really bad. But uh, the cool thing was, I thought that this might be a break. I thought that this might be a... I didn't know what the hell was going on. And then a day and a half after, everything went down and I'm able to walk. And I'm even able to jog on it now and I feel good. So basically, I heal like a champion. And I'll be in there next week for my game uh, playing, uh, hopefully, to go 3-0. and We're the blue team. That's how the men's league do it. There's no names. We're the blue team and we are 2-0. and Um... But uh, for anybody out there who's had a bad ankle sprain, man, I feel for you. And it's funny because it was like due because I've been playing basketball all the time and all the summers that get warm and now that I'm doing this indoor thing, I play year-round at least once a week. And I'm saying, man, I never got a, you know, an ankle sprain and sure enough, it's going to come when, uh, you know, when you least expect it. So I hit the deck and it was fucking painful. Um, but it's doing better now. So uh, I'm feeling better about it. And I did it without really icing it every day or taking anything. I kind of just let the thing uh, take its course and, and I healed I healed better. So um, that was one thing that uh, happened to me this week. And another thing is finally, and I'm going to do this for you guys early, is I finally, finally went to the movie theater and I will be, <clears throat> excuse me, giving... A review of the uh, new movie that I saw um, a few days ago. I saw Hannah. I saw the movie Hannah with um, Eric Banner, and it was Eric Banner and that little girl. And basically, here's what the movie was. So if you see it, um, I'm not going to give anything away, of, of course, but I'm going to give you guys basically my thoughts and reviews on the movie. It's basically a movie, without giving anything away, where Eric Bana uh, starts out with him living in like the mountains and the woods with this young girl who he's training. He's training her. She's an unbelievable fighter at, at, I would say her age was, I mean, anywhere from 10, 11, 12, whatever. She's an unbelievable fighter. Her instincts are great. She's really strong. And he's just grooming her and grooming her for something because, you know, some, he's preparing her for something. And um, it's kind of, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, she's very, like, introverted. She's a weird girl. Um, and you find out why later. Here's the thing. The movie was good and it entertained me. But it could have been great. And I will say it was very weird. Scenes in the movie happened in very weird places that you not you know, you, you normally wouldn't see. I felt like there was... Um, very weird, like, techno-y music when a lot of action happened. There was some really cool action scenes and some very intense scenes in the movie. Like I said, it will entertain you and you will get through the time enjoying it. But I think that you will find, or what I found with the movie, Hannah, was there was just something missing. And you were like, man, that was good, but I think this could have been great. And what was it missing? It was a little weird, too. Uh, that being said... There was a couple of really intense parts. So one part in particular, which will make you be like, wow. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. I actually watched it with my buddy uh, Sean Quinn, uh, comedian, uh, last week when we were out there. Um, and it was funny because where we were performing in Watertown, New York, 
the movie theater there was being new, like renovated. They were going to do all the new shit there, I guess, stadium seating, like get like state of the art. So we had to drive an hour to Oswego. So we drove all the way an hour to Oswego to this movie theater. And it was one of those old school, like 1982 looking movie theaters. Really beat up. I mean, it had some character, but it was just basically a shithole. But we had nothing to do, and we checked out of the hotel because we were driving home after the show, which was a five-hour drive. But when we checked out, we had seven hours to kill before the show. So we said, let's drive an hour to Oswego, watch this movie, drive an hour back, do the show, and drive home to New York. It was a busy day, but we did it. And uh, when I see the thing that said, like, Oswego Movie Theater, I was like, holy shit, uh, why did we do this? But uh, then when you get in the theater and you're watching it, it was awesome. So um, Hannah, I would say... If I had to rate it on the Verzi movie scale of 1 to 10, uh, I would give Hannah somewhere between a 6. I guess I'd say a 6.5 out of 10. Um, and I thought that if they did a couple of things different, it could have easily been an 8.5 or a 9. But um, anyway, you, you guys will see it either in the theater or on DVD. Let me know what you think or if you agree with that. But... Um, not a terrible movie, especially since I haven't been there in a while. Um, and I was going to go to the movies last night with my wife, but the only thing that we would have been able to see was Your Highness, and I really didn't want to have a nice dinner date night with my wife and then go see a dick joke movie, although my wife is actually into comedies like that because uh, she won't see any horror movies, and she likes Disney movies because she acts like... Uh, I don't know. She's like a seven-year-old when it comes to movies. My wife is like this smart, mature woman, has her shit together, organized and everything. And when it comes to movies, she's like an eight-year-old. She will not see anything scary. She will not see anything sad. She just wants to see like happy, you know, fun stuff or really funny stuff. But she does like dick joke and funny, like stupid, you know, movies like that. So, but we, we weren't going to sit there and wait. We had like a 45-minute wait if we wanted to see Your Highness. And um, we didn't, because I'll be honest, I really wasn't a big fan of uh, Pineapple Express. I thought that it was completely overrated. Uh, and the same people did that movie, did Your Highness. So I said, I'll wait for DVD. So there's my movie review for the week. I told you guys I would eventually do it. I did it, and I'm actually going to hopefully have another one next week because I'm going to check out Scream, just because when I was young, I watched Scream, the first one, and it kept me intrigued to watch the trilogy, and I heard this one has a crazy twist in the end, so I'm probably going to watch Scream. I also want to see um, Insidious, I think, that horror movie, and um, there's a bunch of movies now in the theater that I want to see, so I'm going to hopefully have another movie to review for you guys um, next week. So that does it for the movie segment, um, and uh, now we will go on to sports, because last week I was talking to Sean, and we were talking about the Masters, we were talking about Rory McIlroy talking shit about Tiger Woods, and Rory McIlroy was going into the Masters with a uh, pretty commanding lead, he was 18 holes away from uh, winning the Masters at 21 years old. With all the shit talking he was doing. And what happened everybody? He unraveled. The shit talker unraveled. And that is exactly why. And I actually felt bad for him. I felt bad for, for Rory McIlroy. You know just watching him miss those putts. And he basically mentally collapsed in front of America. 
And and that really did feel bad because I felt bad for him because he's a 21-year-old kid and you just saw that he just totally, his body language, he unraveled. Here's the thing and here's the point that I was trying to make on the last episode. And am I glad that I validated my point by him crumbling? Of course I am. Okay, because this is exactly what I said. And let's be honest, I want to be right Everybody wants to be right. I was fucking right. And Tiger did roar back for a little bit. It wasn't enough. But here's what happened. For you people that didn't listen to the last episode, I said that I didn't like how Rory McIlroy, a 20, 21-year-old kid, basically made comments saying nobody's scared of Tiger Woods anymore. Whether that's a true statement or not, okay, whether that is a true statement or, or, you know, or not, as somebody who is his peer who will be competing for him for many years to come, you do not say that about the guy who is arguably the greatest to ever pick up a golf club ever. Okay? Tiger Woods is four majors away, four majors away from basically becoming the, the statistically and everything else the greatest golfer of all time. And I said this before. Tiger Woods, when he was on, he wasn't good or better than everybody. It was not even close. It wasn't even fair. It wasn't even worth watching golf. They actually were talking about changing rules or doing something to change, to, to, to not make it so easy for him. That's how far ahead he was at number one compared to whoever was number two. Okay? So you are talking about the fucking master. Speaking of master, as I'm doing this podcast, I have my TV on mute and I'm watching highlights of the Yankee game and I just watched my boy Robinson Cano hit another home run uh, and he's starting to hit up in the 300s like always. He's my favorite of all time. Anyway, let me get back on track here. So Tiger Woods is, is the fucking legendary golf god is what he is. And this young kid who's on the tour now making some money has the balls to come in and say that, and I didn't like it. And then Rory McIlroy goes in there with the lead on the last day, and he completely shits the bed. And Tiger, who's back, back with all this adversity and shit that he went through, and granted, on his own, his own, his own fault. I mean, he made he made his bed, and he deserves it. But you know, he came back, and and he's starting to. And I don't know if Tiger Woods is ever going to be the same again. I'll be honest with you. I think he got so humanized that I don't know if you're ever going to see the dominant Tiger Woods like you did three, four years ago. I don't know if that guy is ever going to be back who just shits on everybody and is so dominant um, and makes it look so easy. I don't know if that guy is going to come back again. Um, But I do know that he's still a hell of a golfer. He can probably win four more majors with the talent level that he has. And regardless if he does or not, see, this is, I was arguing with somebody about this. Regardless if he does or not, all right, it doesn't matter if he doesn't win any more things. Rory McIlroy should not have talked. But now that I've said that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this slide. I'm going to give Rory McIlroy, I'm going to put it behind. I'm sure he actually deep down inside thinks I was a moron for saying that. So um, he collapsed. He, he could not hold the lead. The, you know, the experience or uh, lack thereof completely... Uh, Shown its uh, showed its ugly face, and that's why he he did not win. Uh, Tiger came back, tied it at uh, ten under, and then and then basically uh, that one kid just uh, was making unbelievable. The guy that won it, uh, Charles, uh, I don't know, I can't pronounce his last name, but that guy just made I mean long putt after long putt, birdie after birdie, and he ran away with it, winning uh, with uh, fourteen under for the Masters. So um, that's what happened there. 
And um, hopefully Rory McIlroy learned a lesson. That's all I could say. Some people disagree. Oh, you know, he was right. Nobody is afraid of Tiger anymore. You don't say that about, you know, in my opinion, that's like a comedian, you know, seeing an older guy, you know, like Don Rickles slow down a little bit and just say, ah, he's not what he's he's he used to be, you know. He's not going to go and kill casinos like he used to be. It's like you just don't say that, even if if it's true. Or I could follow that guy now, and it's just so stupid for a young person to do. I take it on the same level as that. You are talking about a golf god already if he never played it again. Um, Okay, so uh, what else do we want to talk about in sports? I am excited that uh, tomorrow night... My New York Knickerbockers will be playing in Boston for the first time in the playoffs, I believe, in nine years. And uh, I believe we are going to give the Boston Celtics all they can handle. I think that we are rested. I think that we are ready to show that the signings we made were good. And I think that we can really push this series a long way. I really do. I think that Chauncey Billups running the team with his experience is going to play into this thing. I think Amari Stoudemire being there... His first playoff appearance as a Nick, uh, Carmelo Anthony, getting signed. Uh, you know, this is what he wanted. I think all of this can come together. And I think Boston is very, you know, very rested too. And they're going to be, you know, ready to go. I mean, they're the Boston Celtics. No disrespect to them, but I think New York is going to give them all they can handle. And all we need to do is take one in Boston. Take one in Boston, go back to the garden when it's rocking, and see what we could do over there. Knicks in seven. That's what my heart wants. My head is telling me Celtics in six, but I just want the Knicks to take them to a long, long series to show, okay, next year we're going to really come back and make some noise, but let's do what we can. But I think we can, I would not be shocked if the Knicks upset the Celtics and and got past this round. I would not be shocked. Do I think deep down inside, gun to my head, is it going to happen? Gun to my head, no. It's not going to happen. Would I be completely shocked if it did? No, it could happen. But I, I, I just think Boston uh, is on their last run here, and I think they may squeeze past us. But uh, I will be pulling hard for my Knicks. And I just saw a brutal loss today. Uh, the Indiana Pacers were winning every minute of the game in Chicago against the Bulls, except the last minute when the Bulls ended up winning. And uh, as brutal and devastating of a loss as I think you can have in basketball, and I think it's safe to say that uh, that series is over already. Just because, um, I don't know, it's just like when you when you think you're going to pull off that upset and you're on the road and you're feeling good and then all of a sudden the crowd comes alive and you lose, that's got to suck. Um, but I'm looking forward to my Knicks tomorrow. Uh, Yankees are doing well. My buddy Robinson Cano is coming on strong. It looks like Jeter's starting to get some hits. And um, I'm really, actually, last year I wasn't as into baseball, but this year I'm starting to, you know, even though the Knicks, I mean, the Yankees have a great team. See, that's how much the, the Knicks are on my mind that I'm calling the Yankees the Knicks. But even though the Yankees have such a great team and, and they should win, um, I'm really into watching them because I, I do like some of the guys and uh, I'm, I'm back into into baseball a lot. I think it's because I went to a game early in the season. That gets you in it. Um, and the hockey playoffs are going on, which I could remotely give a fuck about. Um, but uh, that's it. So that's it for sports. Let's go Knicks tomorrow. So we got movies out of the way. We got sports out of the way early. Um, my ankle is healing as we speak. And uh, we could do unacceptable for the week. Uh, unacceptable for the week is... I had a couple of things happen that really bothered me. Um, that was just like... Uh, just like really... 
I don't know. So I'm trying to think of which one, which which the best one to uh, to do is. But uh, you know what? I'm gonna do unacceptable for the week is overeating when you're full just because the food is good. And I did this yesterday. Me and my wife went out to uh, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, which was delicious. I had filet, but of course I had to get crab cakes for an appetizer first because I love crab cakes. Um, it comes with all these different sides. Uh, I had soup. I had dessert. I had coffee. So it just basically got to the point where it was like, why don't you have some kind of sense of self-control, you know, Eat your steak, eat the sides that come with it, don't go nuts, but instead I'm eating and then my wife doesn't finish her thing, so I take some bites of her shit that, that looks so delicious, and I just basically, with all the weight that I've been losing, my stomach shrunk, and I should have just been, you know, been disciplined, and I just overate, completely unacceptable, I was full to the point where I felt nauseous, and it was just because the food was so good, completely unacceptable, going against everything that my diet says, and for you fat bastards out there that do this, and I know there's a lot of you out there probably sitting there listening, you know, nodding your head going, well, I do that every meal. That's why you're fat, okay? And I hate to be mean, but you got to look yourself in the mirror and go, why am I bloated? Why does my neck look like this? How come I just can't, you know, you know, just can't, you know, get it down to, to, to respectable? Why can't I, you know, why can't I... Look at myself and go, wow, you know what? My neck is thinning out. I'm starting to lose weight. My stomach is going down. The reason why you can't is the same thing that I did last night at dinner, which is completely unacceptable. It is overeating because the food is so good. Okay, It's almost like we can't say to ourselves, mission accomplished. I'm full now. I ate. It was delicious. I can take the rest of this to go and have it for lunch tomorrow. No, it's got to be, holy shit, this is delicious. I might vomit, but I'm going, I'm all in. I'm going for it. I'm fucking going for it. I'm eating this. And you know what? If she comes over and offers me chocolate cake, I'm getting chocolate cake too. That is why people are fat. That is why the biggest loser is on. I'm telling you, it comes down to no self-discipline and and just not able to... Because to I'll be honest with you, I love... The two things that I love, I love Italian food and I love Japanese food. I love sushi. And those are two things that if it's really good, I cannot stop myself. I just can't stop eating it. Um, so unacceptable for the week. And if you do this, think about it right before you order the next thing or right before you take that next bite. Just say, this is gluttony. This is why I'm probably a little overweight. I need to stop now. Stop eating. Okay, it feels great to look in the mirror and go, somebody said to me the other day, they're like, wow, I noticed you lost weight when I saw you on stage. That's how I could see because as a comedian, you see yourself on stage, you see pictures of yourself a lot, um, you know, there's headshots, photographers in the crowd, um, you know, when you get a video of yourself that you need to send out to an agent or a manager or a TV show or something, you look at it and you watch it a million times to make sure and you just look at yourself and you're always like, I am a fat, bloated mess. And, and, and it was really nice to hear, oh, man, I'm, I'm really actually starting to see it myself. I'm losing weight because of this diet. My wife actually um, has been losing weight, too. We're kind of doing better. And then last night I go to this delicious steakhouse and I had no self-control. But it's not going to happen again. So that is unacceptable for the week. Do not let it happen. Let's lose these pounds and show, show people that, um, you know, we, uh, we can... 
We can lose weight in this country instead of eating a four-pound fucking chocolate chip cookie at the end of a meal. Uh, unacceptable. So, uh, this is, we got unacceptable out of the way. We got movies out of the way. We got sports out of the way. Uh, we got my ankle and my basketball league out of the way. Um, so now, a, a half, almost a half hour in, uh, I'm going to talk about some future things going on and some exciting things going on in, uh, in the business, in my comedy career, um, uh, that I'll, I'll share with you guys, uh, as much as I possibly can. I have some exciting things coming up, um, next week, by the way, I will be, uh, uh, Wednesday, I'll be working on my five-minute clean TV set. Um, I uh, can't really mention the TV shows, but I will be sending my five-minute clean set to uh, a couple of late-night talk shows um, that you guys all know um, who are interested in seeing my five-minute clean TV set. So, um, actually, you know what I can tell you guys? It doesn't matter. I can tell you guys because... Uh, you know, I'm just submitting to these shows, but I will be submitting my five minutes to um, Jimmy Fallon. I will be submitting my five minutes uh, to uh, Lopez tonight, and I will be submitting my sh uh, my five minutes set to uh, the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. Um, they all know that it's coming, and um, I'm going to be going down to New York City working on that, taping it, and then submitting it in, and then we see what happens from there. Usually what happens with things like that is they look at your tape, like, okay, we like this, we like this, we don't like this, we want them to change this, do it again, send it back. So then you do what they say, you send it back, and then they go in and say, okay, we almost like everything, but just change this, and then you change that, and then you send it back, and then they book you on the show. That's usually how it works. Um, it could take a while, but that's what I'm doing. I'm excited about it because um, I have a couple of opening jokes for a five-minute clean set that I'm really happy and proud of. Um, and I'm going to be uh, running that down at Stand Up New York on Wednesday night. I'm going to be going down to Stand Up New York in New York City to run my five minutes. On Thursday, I will be working um, with the very funny Giannis Pappas, uh, another comedian in New York City doing very well, funny stand-up guy. Uh, also has a character called Marisa Rodriguez, which is hilarious. It is on. Just it's uh, he's doing a show with that that sold out in the city three times. Check out Giannis Papas um, and uh, check out his character show Marisa. Uh, it's one of the funniest characters you'll ever see a comic do. And on top of that, his stand-up comedy is absolutely great too. Um, I will be working with Giannis at the uh, New York Institute of Technology College in uh, Long Island on Thursday um, and uh, just going down to the city to run my five minutes wherever I can this week because, um, as I said before, being clean for five minutes and hilarious uh, is one of the hardest things in comedy. You know, tonight I'm headlining a show uh, and I'm probably going to be on stage for 45, 50 minutes and I'm able to say what I want, you know, be as creative and do everything where when it comes to the five-minute clean set, you know, they're, they're kind of dictating what you can say, what they'd want you to say, which direction they want you to go, what you can't say. You're almost like a, a corporate robot, and that really sucks in comedy because the, the one thing that I love, I mean, I love everything about stand-up comedy, but the, the beauty of this art is, um, and any comedian listening to this knows this, but for for you know you people out there who are you know in the crowds and and fans of comedy the beauty about this is you know unlike music 
or or any kind of other performance in entertainment or show business is stand-up comedy is your thoughts, your creative mind, anything goes, and you say what you want to say, how you want to say it, you know, and, and it's, it's the beauty of freedom of speech as a comedian is that you can literally go up there and any honest thought you have say, and, and whether people like it or not, you can do it. One of the greatest things I've heard, which was absolutely hilarious, was one of George Carlin's last specials. He got on stage, and the first thing he said, he did an HBO special, it's packed out, you know, all these people in this theater, and he goes, I'd like to start off tonight by saying, fuck Lance Armstrong. <laughs> he said, fuck Lance Armstrong, you know, fuck his yellow t-shirts, his testicles, and that stupid look on his fucking face. That was his opening line. And it's just it's just a reminder that this is the only business where you can actually say that, you know. Um, and and the thing about the the five minute structured sets is you could still say what's on your mind, but it just has to be very um, you have to be very economical with your words, okay. You have to be um, you know. You have to be very quick with the laughs. You want to get a laugh really quickly. You have to have things segue. Because be, um, as a comedian, I can tell you guys, five minutes is over almost before it starts. By the time you're your first or, or second bit in, you're ready to wrap up. So everything needs to come together. And, and working on that for me, I mean, some comedians find it easier and like it and think it's easier. Not me. Um, I, I find it to be one of the hardest things in, in the business to do. But that's what I'm looking to do, and uh, I have my, uh, you know, my eye on some of these shows um, that we want to get, and uh, I'm working with some really good people that are helping me, and that I'm really excited about, and uh, I'm gonna have some big announcements coming up soon about that. Um, also, if you're in the New York City area, okay, uh, this is very, uh, very special to me. This is a very, uh, this is an honor um, for me. But um, the cringe humor people. Okay, Cringe Humor is a brand that started years and years ago, and now they're actually a, a management company. They are actually um, some of the best people that I've met in, in comedy. Um, cringe Humor is basically uh, something that started where it was uh, this guy Patrick, actually, uh, started uh, Cringe Humor by just being a fan of comedy, and, and he was you know loved guys like Jim Norton, you know, Rich Voss, Jim Florentine, Patrice O'Neill, and he would put together shows with all of those guys on those shows, and they called it Cringe Humor Show. It was the Cringe Humor Show, um, and I actually misunderstood what Cringe Humor was, because when I was a younger comic coming up, I would see a sign on a comedy club that said Cringe Humor Comedy Show, and I thought it was just like shock value comedy. I didn't know that they were just putting together a lineup of these unbelievably great comedians on the show. And uh, the cringe thing was just guys that say how it is and are really honest. Um, and they put together these unbelievable shows, and they really are great dudes. And now they started a management company. And as an up-and-coming comic, you knew all the people that they were working with and doing shows with. I mean, these unbelievable comedians. And now what they are doing is they're starting something called cringe humor um, next generation and it's a group of comedians that basically um, they believe in or, or they think is the next crop coming up um, and they're doing a show called the cringe humor next generation show 
and they're going to do it every other Thursday, and it starts on Cinco de Mayo, uh, May 5th, at Stand Up New York, um, and I'm on the first show, which I just want to say here on record is, is an honor. Um, these guys I met um, in uh, Los Angeles when I was out there, and uh, you know had a had a great talk with them, and and they're just uh, they're the best, and and it, it's one of the things where in this business I can honestly say okay that there's a lot of fucking weirdos, there's a lot of egos, there's just a lot of people with um you know I mean listen everybody has an agenda because everybody wants to get somewhere, but you know there's a certain way to do it and there's a way to treat people and there's a way to handle business and these guys in my opinion um are pretty much the best at it um you know i want to shout out uh i want to shout out chris italia from cringe humor who um was more than a gentleman to me um and uh, a reason why uh you know i'm on the um cringe humor next generation show and uh, one of these days, I want to get these uh, guys on here or one of them on the, the Verzi Effect podcast show because um, what they're doing for comedy and comedians, not only in New York City but across the country, is uh, really remarkable. Um, if you go to my Facebook profile picture, you will see uh, that I'm on that, um, I'm on that show uh, May 5th. Uh, you know, the lineup is uh, Adrian Appalucci, Giannis Pappas, Danny LaBelle, myself... Um, Derek Gaines, and uh, it's hosted by Dante Nero, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, that's a show that uh, I'm, I'm honored to be on. So if you're in the New York City area, May 5th, come out. It's going to be an insane show at Stand Up New York, and um, it's on 78th Street uh, off of uh, Broadway or Columbus, uh, Upper West Side. Check that out. Um, and uh, that's it. I'm working on some new dates, which I'm going to put on the uh, website um, as soon as they come in, like I said, I got some cities coming up and, um, you know, thank you again, everybody for all, all your support, uh, for not only my stand up comedy and, but, you know, listening to my, uh, my podcast show and, um, you know, just all the, uh, everything that you guys do, I, I remember. And, um, again, if there's anything you want me to talk about, I will talk about, um, I'm looking forward to a big, uh, a big, 2011 and and even a bigger 2012 next year because uh, this year I'm going to be laying the foundation for a lot of things. So um, I'm very humbled. It's it's amazing to have started this uh, over 10 years ago and now be a professional for about eight years doing what I love to do, um, which is uh, you know use my talent, make people laugh, make people feel good. And um, the one thing that I want to close with is. Um, somebody asked me something that meant a lot to me, and it was one of the most honest questions that I ever had um, anybody ask me. I was playing golf. I was playing golf the other day, and uh, we got paired up with two Asian guys. They were older, maybe like two Korean guys in their 60s. And we were talking, and uh, one guy was like a retired, after 40 years, he was a gynecologist. This older Korean guy was a gynecologist. And then there was another guy he was with who was a musician. And they were really nice guys. And for older guys, they were hitting the ball really well. And, and you know, I enjoyed playing golf with them. You know, when you first start playing golf with, a, with two Koreans, you're like, oh, fuck, this is going to be forever. These guys, you know, these guys are old. They walk slow. You know, it was gonna, I, I was like, oh, this is going to be a fucking mess. 
actually they hit the ball great. Um, you know, they were it was really good. Uh, we played a nice round of golf, uh, although I fell apart on the 18th hole. Other than that, I played well. But um, we were talking, and one of them found out that I was a comedian. Uh, the musician guy, they both found out I was a comedian, but the musician guy was, um, you know, a lot of times when you tell people you're a comedian, um, one of two things happen. Either people are, like, cool about it, and they're, like, respectful, and they'll ask you, like, one or two things and say that's great, or then you get, like, annoying people who are, like, overly intrigued by it, and they just kind of, and I understand, like, I used to say to my wife, why do these people want to talk to me like this? Like, why do they keep asking the same questions? And she kind of said to me, like, it's an intriguing thing, and not too many people, you know, you talk to do it, so they just have questions, and I get that, but some people are, like, really, like, just weird, and then you get the assholes, like, oh, well, you haven't said anything funny yet, oh, this, and it's just, like, stupid, and you don't want to deal with anybody, um, but that wasn't the case with this guy, but he said something to me, you know, and his kind of Asian, like, he didn't speak, like, great English, but he said to me, you know, when we were talking, um, he looked me in the face, and he said, how is it that you can bring people joy with what you say? Like, how can you, like, and, and I didn't, I just looked at him, and he, because it was just this honest thing that, like, this foreigner, like, who took what I did, and he just basically just put it down and said, you know, he broke down what it really was, and at the end of the day, I don't, I never even really looked at it like this, I mean, I did, but at the end of the day, when you get through all the bullshit and you just look at the black and white, a comedian's job, and sometimes we take it for granted because of all the business shit that we have to do. You know, this business, this is not just about getting on stage. It's all of the shit. It's hearing rejection. It's hearing no. It's hearing no a bunch of times until you hear yes, which validates you. Okay, and then all of a sudden you start, you know, killing and you're like, man, maybe I have this figured out. I'm doing well, but then you don't kill anymore. You're like, holy shit, I'm not good enough yet. I got to keep going. And it's just this up and down roller coaster and you're traveling and you're driving and you're trying to balance out your family life and you're doing everything. But at the end of the day, what we're really doing is we're making people happy on a consistent basis, on a, on a daily and weekly and monthly and yearly basis. What we're doing is we're giving people joy and making them laugh. And this guy made me realize that and made me feel better about what I was doing just with a simple question. You know, he just looked at me in the face and, and it meant more coming from like a foreign guy who was kind of maybe... You know, I mean, he lived here forever, but, like, it wasn't like some dude going, oh, what is it like to make people laugh? Like, he didn't do that. He, like, looked at me with this dead serious face of concern and said, like, how is it that you can bring people joy? And and I, I was really, um, it made me feel good. It lifted me, and I, I, I was taken back. I didn't even know what to say, you know, at the beginning. And then I, you know, and then I basically just looked at him, and I was like, well, you know, um, you know, since I was little, I was able to tell stories, um, and I was able to, you know, articulate things a certain way. I was able to paint a picture for people, and uh, people just found the way that I spoke, you know, funny and amusing and entertaining. So I guess, you know, it, it, it came from that. Um, you know, a couple of things. I don't know if, if uh, I think I might have said this on the podcast before, um, but... You know, when uh, years ago, when I was in Italy, we were on a tour, and I, you know, the tour guide was talking, and I basically, like, on a bus of 60 people, when I was in Italy at, like, 10, 11 years old, I got on the microphone in front of 60 people on a bus, and I started imitating him, and everyone started laughing. 
You know, my dad always says to this day, I should have known then. You know, when I was younger, uh, my grandfather, when my grandfather died um, at the young age of 66, and I, I really, uh, I really am told all the time by so many people that I'm, I'm much like him. And he was just this fun-loving like guy, and he, he died of a heart attack, his fourth heart attack, um, at 66 years old. But I remember at his wake, I was very, very, very young, and I was in one of the back rooms of the wake, and all the neighbors and everybody was there, and I stood up on this thing, and I just started telling jokes. You know, maybe that was my way of dealing with it. I didn't know better. I was young. I didn't really know what a wake or, or somebody being dead that was close to you was, but uh, I just started telling jokes. So this was something that I guess was always in me. Um... And, you know, when he just said, how is it that you can do that? It, it kind of just reminded me of, uh, you know, wow, maybe I, I have this ability to do this. And, um, and it does make people feel good. So, you know, don't think about you, you know, meaning myself. Don't think about you or don't think about the business or don't think about all those things. Sometimes it's cool to just think, wow, at the end of the day, man, I'm making people go home laughing, enjoying themselves. And that was a really cool thing that happened. And, um, you know, I, I just tied that into all the shit that we go through as comics. And, and if there's any comics listening to this, think about that, you know, for a second. You know, I remember the first time I ever got on stage, I got into this business and I never said I wanted to be some big famous comedian um, that, that, that everybody knows. That's always the, the, the goal, you know. I mean, if I get into, you know, if I get into movies and TV shows, which eventually, you know, is, is what I'm thriving for and eventually hopefully that happens... Um, that's great, you know, if I become a very well-respected comedian that people know and, and say, hey, that guy's funny, that's great, that's fine, that, that's, that's obviously what you want, but I never got into this because of that, I got into it because I was like, man, let me see if I could do this, and then it was just an honor to be standing on the same stages as guys like Richard Pryor, and guys like, you know, Chris Rock and, and my generation, you just anybody that you respected that did it, and now you're at that comedy club on that stage, and we forget that. We forget so many times because we're worried about who's watching us and who's, who's going to judge us and what this person thinks. And it's like all you can do, and I've learned this, and this has made me a better comedian. All you can do is get on the fucking stage, be as honest from your heart as you can, talk about all the creative thoughts that you have and what you believe is funny and what you want to present to this crowd because you believe in it. And then at the end of the day, the chips are going to fall where they may, and that's it. And that's all that we could do as performers. And, um, you know, I'm damn proud of it. And uh, that guy's question really put things into perspective for me. And sometimes we need a reminder. And I got my reminder this week playing golf um, with this older Korean man. Um, who asked me that question, and I think everybody who is in this business or everybody who is in show business or in the public eye should ask themselves, you know, how is it that you can do what you do and give people joy? Um, and uh, that's it. So uh, that's going to do it for the Verzi Effect Podcast, Episode 15. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And... Um, Next week, uh, I will be hopefully uh, talking about another movie, uh, talking about the NBA playoffs, talking about what's going on, shows coming up. I'll keep you guys in the loop with what's going on with um, other shows. And uh, again, thank you for listening. Until next week, the Verzi Effect podcast show is out. <laughs>